Guys, welcome back to the Arsenio Buck Show, and welcome back to Feast Week Interviewee number four. Guys, I have not brought Hannah onto this specific podcast, but you know what? I brought her onto my ESL podcast, so, so some of you might know her if you guys are following me over there, which is only a couple of you. But nonetheless, man, today is another gratitude-filled day. It is Wednesday, so... And we're speaking in the future. And so, oh my God, it is, we're just a day away. We're a day away. Again, Hannah, you being out there in the UK, we, you, I know you guys don't celebrate Thanksgiving and whatnot, but it's not even about Thanksgiving. It's certainly not about what had happened during Thanksgiving. It's about just being grateful in general. So again, man, thank you so much for coming on to this podcast. I'm so grateful for you having me here. Thank you so much. You're very, very, very welcome. So for those people that do not know you out there in the world, now remember, it's 5 a.m. here. It's weird. But anyways, for those people who do not know you out there in the world, tell them who you are and what you do. Okay. Hi, I'm Hannah Gallias. I'm the mindfulness coach. So I'm on a mission to help people realize they can be successful and happy. So a lot of people, when they decide what they want to do, is they'll give everything and they'll end up suffering from burnout. And actually, success isn't all about the money you have in the bank account. It's what's inside here, too. Mm. And so when you talk about money in general, mm -hmm. if we talk about what we've learned over the last year, and, you know, I'm just going to take this a completely different route because I saw a video yesterday on my... Uh, 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 Facebook, bam, there you go, Facebook. And it was me. I was like, oh my God, that's me. And it was from a year ago, right? So you could see the memories. And I said, are you the same person you were 365 days ago? So Hannah, what could you, like when we talk about the mind, we, if you do not develop the mind, it just becomes useless. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily that the, the person that possesses the mind is useless. It's because they are not taking action and developing the mind. You know, what is it? Bill Gates said in a recent Netflix docu, you know, film or whatever you want to call it, um, that he's afraid of his brain if, 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 if in terms of it stop working. So he's like, what's your biggest fear? He's like, I don't want my brain to stop working. You see what I mean? So that's the mind. And if we use it, we can achieve so much, so many different things. And I see it transpiring right before my eyes. So Hannah, 365 days ago, who you are mm -hmm. today, tell me your transformation. Okay. So interestingly enough, 370 days ago, oh boy. I started my journey as a life coach. <laughs> you see what I mean? And I, I am today on your podcast talking about gratitude and the year I've had, which is, if you'd asked me 365 days ago, I would not have thought I'd been here having connected with so many amazing people like you, like Luke, like so many people worldwide. I've got friends now all over the world. Same here. And I have wonderful clients, which, you know, on the days where I'm kind of having self-doubt, I have people that are investing in me because they believe that I can help transform their lives. So not only, they say when you get into coaching that you're always your own first client. Yes. All that doubt about so many things has changed. My idea of 
what I can and can't do has changed. The idea of money and the concept behind it has changed mm. just so much. So obviously uh, physical things have happened this year. I bought my first house here in the UK. And if, if you're listening in the UK, you know how hard the housing market is. I rescued my first dog. I opened my heart to him. I, and then in terms of kind of personal development, you know, I, um, <laughs> one of the things I realized is kind of, so mindfulness has always been a big thing, but incorporating it truly into every day has only really come into its, I guess, stead this year as kind of the beliefs now are setting in behind the routines. So one of the biggest things that changed for me in a routine is I get up every morning, I meditate. And the last thing I do before I go to bed is meditate and think about kind of what's happening that day. Um, part of that is part of, so I'm, I've done my Reiki training as well, which is all about spiritual energy. I've mm -hmm. gone down a really spiritual route. I love it. And part of that is giving gaso every morning and every night. So giving gratitude and thanks to every day. And it seems like a really, really simple practice to do. But actually, um, so I, I'm, <laughs> something I should let everyone know is I work a nine to five as well. Um, and sometimes it's challenging. Uh, but even then, once you've given thanks to every day, it's surprising how it changes your attitude when you come into work. Mm. Yeah, working in office can really suck sometimes. Mm. You know, it's stressful, there's deadlines and you know, it's not always the long-term goal. But giving thanks and realizing what you have, it's improved my relationships tenfold. I've never been closer with my family. Um, but I think it's because you see, start seeing things in different lights. So you realize things that weren't always there before and you realize that just like you, everyone's an imperfect human. Mm. You know, they're, they're just trying to get through their day the best they can and you know, you won't always win. Not everyone else can always win, you know. You might hurt some people sometimes, and that's okay too. But it's accepting that with forgiveness. And that's one thing that I've really learned this year is, is the self-forgiveness. I'm forgiving myself for a lot of things I put myself through or a lot of the punishments that I felt like I needed to hold on to for so long. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. That's amazing. So many different things that we could touch up on. And I wish I had my pen and paper here so we, I could like do that. But nonetheless, um, <laughs> forgiveness. Let's, start, let's kick it off there first because I think this was the, the – no, before I even kick that off, let's, I'm first going to give grace because the first interviewee, number one, that I did, I don't know, it was about a week ago. We recorded it a week ago. She was uploaded, but the audio was a little blah, 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 blah. But nonetheless, she was talking about being grateful for the process because she was going through so many things in business. And she asked herself, why am I still doing this? And there has to be a strong enough why. And then she was talking about imperfection, as you just mentioned. And after that, she had two clients sign up and she ended up having the most successful month of her entire coaching career mm -hmm. that just topped off probably just a day ago. And so... Within that week, and since that week that we did that pot, this gratitude podcast, she started donate, donating to charities. There were just a number of different things because she's just, she felt like it, it's always been within her. But then when she started seeing everything transform, she's like, you know what, man, maybe I need to start being 
just more in the moment and more in the, okay, what can be learned during these processes of stagnation, you know, uh, if you want to call it stagnation or whatnot. But um, I'm just, I forgot what I was going to say at the very beginning, but it, it's that little process. And of course, what I've endured over the last week in terms of doubling down on my strengths and, you know, having my own project and now setting myself, you know, rates, you know, for my consultancy fees and, you know, my English training fees and people giving me bonuses because of how well of a job I did and exceeding those expectations and always overshooting. Now I'm just constantly like this morning and I know it being Monday, it's, it's just a constant state of gratitude that I'm always in you know, just yesterday morning, you know, and I'm just being grateful. I'm just going on a rant. But, you know, just yesterday morning, I remember I was going to the bus and this girl looked at me, as a lot of women do. But remember, I just overcame myself just two months ago in terms of forgiveness, what we're going to get back into. Boom, got my thought. And this girl looked at me again and she gave me a smile. And she's like 22, 23, 24 years old. I was like, oh, she smiled at me. She smiled at me. Guys, she smiled. She smiled at me. Did you see it? Did you see it? You know what I mean? Because that never happens. That was probably the third or fourth smile of the year. But let's not count. Let's count, let's count all the good that comes out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, because just a week ago, this girl was looking at me up and down. I was like, I know what you're looking at. I know what you're looking at. Yeah, what <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Hannah? I said, just let it fall out. Just let the love go. You know what I mean? So, yes. So when it comes to forgiveness, I forgave myself for all the things I call myself. I'm no longer black. I'm cappuccino. I'm the cappuccino man. I'm known as the cappuccino. And now people are responding in a way, in a very erotic way. They're like, I've never had cappuccino before. And I was like, well, I guess today's the day to try. <laughs> so when we talk, I'm telling you, you know what I'm saying? It's such a good catch, 22. You know what I mean? It's such a good catch because I can trap them in my net. And I'm like, ha, ha, ha. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm crazy as hell. People are, lo- I bet you people are looking at me like this, but he is crazy. But yeah, forgiveness, Hannah. I remember last time I brought you on my ESL podcast and we talked about that. Forgiveness, what is forgiveness to you? Forgiveness is the ability to let go. So in terms of self-forgiveness, you know, there's something that you're holding on to, I guess, either physically or, um, or emotionally. I was talking about this today, actually, uh, in my weekly live, and how, um, how letting go creates abundance. And I was saying about how actually like when I've had a breakup before, I've held on to things, put them in a box and put it under my bed until I was ready to deal with that. And, you know, and then being able to unpack it and get rid of everything when I was ready to let go, kind of gone off tangent there with forgiveness, but, you know, being able to let go. And I think that's the same if you're forgiving someone is you have to be able to let go of that hurt and that pain. Mm. And it's actually really freeing of letting go physical things and emotional things, you know. As I mentioned earlier, we're all imperfect people. You know, we're all trying our best in the world. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot to be said, especially for like families and stuff. You know, you can't always get on with all of them. Mm. And it's being able to forgive them and accepting them. And it's the same, like, I guess internally as well, is 
I have, um, so I have a borderline personality disorder. So mm. part of me has never me for a long time. I wasn't able to forgive kind of my mental health. And actually was learning to accept that part of me mm. and approaching it with a kindness and compassion. And actually the impact of that on myself has perpetuated a really positive mental outlook, which has helped minimize the impact of my condition. Mm. That's what forgiveness is to me. Wow. And, 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 and you just said such an important point right there, accepting that part of me. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, Man, things have been hanging over my head for such a long time. You know, I look at the color of my skin. Like I said, I'm cappuccino. But I've always been told I was black. So then I finally said, you know what? I'm done. I'm not referred to as just being a color anymore. No, thank you. You're going to call me brown people or you're going to call me the cappuccino pub. And so that's why, you, you know, I had to forgive myself for accepting what society in America has given me all my life. Mm -hmm. The first big clue of that was eight years ago when I almost got fired from a job in Australia because I referred to myself as a black man and the dentist got angry. He said, you're not black, you're American, you're brown. What are you talking about? What's your heritage? I said, oh, well, I'm Puerto Rican. He said, what's that? I was like, well, you know, that's Native American, that's Spanish, that's African. I got some British blood. Oh my God, I know. And then, you, you know what I mean? But I, for, I, I, I now understand. And it was those negative opinions that hung over me during the height of racism in this country, which I just figured out, I just like, you know, put everything together, connected the dots from 2013 to 2016. That's when racism was at a height. And I accepted all those negative opinions and created a reality. People don't understand that if you could just forgive yourself, that's all you have to forget. Sometimes people, they say, oh, you need to go to the person to, you know, to say, okay, I forgive you to, to have that sense of calm. Um, but do you think that's necessary? Like if you go through a, you know, a tough breakup or there's this or a family issue, should you go up to the person and say, okay, I need to have this conversation. I forgive you. Do they need that? Or is it more of themselves needing to forgive themselves? I think it's kind of an internal thing because if you need to say it to someone, it's just the fact you need to say it out loud. They don't need to be present or in the room, you know? If you need to let go of these feelings, it's an internal battle. It's not something that ever needs to be put out to someone else. Right. But if, if talking to that other person is going to help, then then by all means, do it. Right. Just don't be prepared for um, a dismissive response because you can't control how other people are going to behave. Mm. So whether you play out that scenario in your head instead, maybe that would work better because you're in control then. Whereas if you were to go up to someone and be like, sorry, we haven't spoken in 10 years, but I forgive you. I'm sure the other person might tell you where to shove that forgiveness. That's true. That's very... <laughs> so, <laughs> that might not be helpful. <laughs> I'm so glad you made that point because I know a lot of people are going to go out there and say, Mom, I forgive you for not doing this and that. It's like, like when it comes to family, I don't have to forgive my mom. It's just maybe my mom is a little bit, you know, in the corner saying, well, I don't know what to say to my son after six years. He's doing such a great job. And, you know, I've never given him congratulations. I was never there for him when he was going through everything. I had to go through everything by myself. No, I'm just, I don't have to forgive her. I'm good. You know, it's just what could my mom possibly say that could help me? You know what I mean? Because she's never been through the things that I've had to go through. 
Mm-hmm. And so what I had to do was dive into personal development. And so that's why I'm so grateful that, you know, at the end of 2015, I made that decision to go into personal development. So mm-hmm. before personal development, before one year, what was it? What, what is it that you're most grateful for before that one year, before 370, that's 370 day mark before that, what are you so grateful for? Oh, what am I so grateful for? Um, it's hard to decide because every single bad thing that's happened has led me to this moment. I know, I know. <laughs> I know. So, you know, it's, it's going to sound really like um, I really, maybe cliche, maybe that's the wrong word, I'm not sure. But, you know, for everything bad that happened to me because it developed me and put me on this path, had I led a lovely life where my parents didn't get divorced, where my, you know, I wasn't bullied at school, where other really horrible things happened, maybe I wouldn't be the person I am today. Mm. You know, and I think that's really important to recognize is that, yeah, I understand sometimes we have to go through really horrible things, but, you know, instead of thinking about why is this happening to me, think about what is this teaching me? Because I can assure you, I've probably been some, through some really horrific things. I've come through the other side and I can see all the lessons. And I know it's really hard to see when you're in it. I do. Trust me, I went through years of alcohol abuse. Right. <laughs> to try and work through some of the pain that I've only just been able to deal with. Um, but now, had that not happened, I wouldn't be where I am. And that's, and that's what a lot of people need to understand, especially out there in the world, because we play the victim role as I played the victim role for such a long time. Mm. You know, it could, it could go back to what I was taught, what was said to me back in the year 2002 from different people, you know, in Las Vegas, in terms of saying the worst word in the English language. You understand, like, the situations that I had to go through, but think about it. If we go all the way up to Australia, then we go all the way up to Thailand. And now I'm just making sense of where the mindset came from in terms of what is being taught in school and why I've been denied 150 jobs in this country. It's because they were taught that only English, you know, teachers are white. Only people who speak English, the only people who speak English on this planet are white. They've been taught that in the 90s. So they're going to perpetuate it coming into the late, you know, 2010 to 2020. So it all makes sense, but I'm grateful for all that. Could you imagine if I came here to the perfect job? The perfect job, think about it. Yeah, a lot of people, they think they want everything to be perfect, but it's the imperfection that you learn the most, as you said. If I came here and they held their hand out, and they're like, yes, thank you so much. You know, come on over here. Oh my God, you're so handsome. You're so this. Oh my God, you're this, you're that. Uh Uh-uh. I want you to give me the hell. See, when I started enduring in that hell, see, you got to be grateful for the dirt. That's the number one. Just as you said, mm. you know, the alcohol abuse, the this, that. You got to be grateful for everything because life is binary. And so you got to be grateful for the good and the bad. And so all of that led you to where you're at. All of the things that have happened to me from 2013 to 16, having my breakthrough in 2017, rebuilding 2018, coming out party this year. A goddamn coming out party this year is a goddamn circus this year. You know what I mean? And so if yeah. you look at what you've been doing the past year, previous to that, and what you've accomplished, oh, you, you're just filled with gratitude, right? Yeah. So when it comes to mindfulness, though, I'm interested. 
you know, mindfulness okay. versus discipline. I want to ask you this question because I've actually talked about this on my ESL podcast with another teacher. What's your form? If we look at discipline and how people are disciplined from, okay, the, the, the worst, like, you know, in prisons and how they come out and do the same things again. Or if people are disciplined in high school and that develops a lot of behavioral problems going from ages five all the way up to the teenage years and they end up being mm -hmm. very combative and rebellious. But mm -hmm. if we teach and practice mindfulness, how much different can everything be? So what's your, what's your, def, what's your, diff, what's the, what are the differences between mindfulness and discipline to you? Oh, okay. <laughs> so I can only speak from experience, I guess, that, you know, people behave in different ways. And I think that um, discipline isn't always the answer because you need to understand the motives behind a child or an adult, or in my case, a dog acting out. My dog. rescue dog, he's Eddie. Oh, oh okay, yeah. okay, okay. I've got a rescue dog. Oh, yeah, 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 you told me. Yeah, that, that's right, that's right, that's right. <laughs> my puppy, the Mastiff. That's, awesome. <laughs> that's like nearly 50 kilos now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But training him's been hard because, you know, he acts out because that's how he had to behave when he was um, abused, you know, because uh. he was... Um, and you've got to understand his behaviours. You know, he barks because he's scared, not because he's angry. He barks because he's scared. And, he, you know, it seems pretty scary. And actually what he needs is a calm bit of love. And that helps ease him out. It's built his confidence. And now we can go out. We can meet people. We went to the park today. There were lots of people. And it's the same. Not saying dogs are the same as people. But, but you know, it's the same with children. And they always say that the bullies mm -hmm. tend to be those that are having problems at home. Because they've either learned that behavior and they think that that's acceptable and that's what they're seeing, or they've, they've got some hurt inside them. Mindfulness and meditation is, instead of, it's positive reinforcement in a way and helps them think about what they've done. And I think that's the real key difference there. I think if we're introducing it in schools early enough, we can help prevent some of the things later down the lines, you know. When you watch all these crime documentaries, it's not that suddenly someone became a serial murderer. Mm. It's normally because the system let them down time and time and time again. Had that punishment cycle mm. been broken at some point and someone sat them down, okay, said, I'm going to help you now. What we're going to do is we're going to teach you some mindfulness and meditation when the crime was petty. If that infant intervention had happened then, I think it would help solve a lot of the issues down in the long run. But the thing is, a kid at school will get labelled a naughty kid. And that's it for them. Every other teacher will treat them like a naughty kid. Absolutely. So they will behave like a naughty kid. And that's not right. The education system is messed up in that way. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it, it, you know, I read that in a book, Jack Canfield book. And when I first started teaching, I got that same person, right? So they already gave me a preconceived notion of what this kid by the name of Pote was going to be. So she's like, oh, you know what? You have a kid in your class. He's Pote so bad. He likes to fight. He likes to do this. He likes to do that. And so what was my perception going into that first day of class? I'm like, okay, which one's Pote? That's him. Okay, look at him. You know, I'm looking at him. I'm eyeing him. I'm swaying from side to side. I'm like, yeah, okay, okay. But he ended up being, I, I saw his true genius. He was a mathematician. He was adding, subtracting at the age of five, like I've never seen before in my life, like triple digit numbers, you name it. 
you know, he was carrying different things at the age of five. And I saw, and of course there was one outburst where he punched, you know, punched a kid in the face. He started bleeding. I took him outside and I roasted his ass and he started crying. I was like, do you understand what I'm saying? Don't do that again. You knew that was bad. So why'd you do it? You know what I mean? So, but his mom would say, thank you so much. My, my son has calmed down a lot. He's doing this now. He's doing this. And mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So I learned this in so, in so many personal development books, Stephen Covey, especially. And one of my personal students that I just taught yesterday, she, the mother, is yelling at the children in front of all the people in the shopping mall. And of course, the children are going to go through withdrawal. They're going to dump their head and, you know, they're going to look down and they're going to feel really bad. One of them is very, very hyper. And she keeps saying, stop, stop, stop. It's not going to work. They're not listening to that because they already know what your response is going to be. You're going to have to approach this much more different. So, you know, differently. So I told her, you know, a lot of different things. And now she's beginning to understand how she can approach different situations, having a reward system, having this saying, hey, you know what? And if you do not listen, and you know, sitting them down and being calm, don't scream at them because guess mm-hmm. what? Their emotional bank account will overdraw. It's probably already overdrawn. That's why the kid is going crazy because he's already, he's completely overdrawn. You know what I mean? His, his account isn't zero. It's like negative 600,000. You know, and the girl, she's going to be, you know, going down that road. So again, education systems, rather than having detention, have a mindfulness session. Because the moment you start putting them in in in-house suspension, which we had in America, RPC, then this, this, it only gets progressively worse. By the time high school comes around, they start ditching, aka skipping classes. And then that's the end. They drop out, they have kids, or they lead even to a further, you know, a a really dark road, joining a game, doing this, doing that. So mindfulness is everything. It is. It it has the power to transform everything. I was was talking to my doctor about the new career path that I'm going on. So I'm doing my mindfulness teacher training later in Mm -hmm. 2020. And um, I mentioned to him about it. And he was like, some of our um, some of our patients should should definitely definitely need that could help them and probably the doctors too. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think he said that? Why do you think you said it like that? You said probably the doctors too. <laughs> because the doctors over here in the NHS are overworked and underpaid. <laughs> you see what I mean? And so think about it. If you're overworked, you're underpaid, and overworked. How much are you giving on the job every day? You're not giving 100%. You're giving 70%. You become agitated. You start treating people differently. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You're you're not asking, you're not, you you don't have that empathy or that compassion anymore. You see? Mm -hmm. So that's why I believe, Hannah, that we're in a field. We're in a field right now. Whereas we're, we're at the beginning stages of what's about to happen. In 10 year period, we could be the top of our field. Because everyone is like, you know what, doctors, from, from, you know, from doctors, from lawyers especially, to the bankers, to anyone out there, mindfulness, personal development, different areas, hard skills, soft skills, all of that needs to be taught. And so that's why I'm so grateful because you going through the things you've been through, 
you made a sudden shift. Do you know when that shift was? Because I remember where I was, what time it was, when I said enough is enough, no more victimhood, I'm going to the bookstore and I found Napoleon Hill sitting there on the shelf. And remember 2015, YouTube wasn't that, that big with all those motivational videos. You know, it was me going into books. I only heard Les Brown in my ear throughout that time. And now, of course, there are thousands of videos out there. But do you remember that shift? Again, you said, you know, alcohol abuse or, you know, going through this or being diagnosed with this or that. Do you know when you said, you know what, enough is enough. I'm going to go this way. So um, I remember a few key points. So I remember 2015 was the first time I bought a personal development book. I was on holiday with my sister and we were in the airport and WH Smith had like buy one, get one half price or something. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to get myself a book. Mm. And I bought The Rules of Life by Richard Templer. Okay. So he lists out different rules to help improve different areas of your life. Really great book. Read it in two days. And so I started implementing that. In 2017, I was at work one day. Having worked all day Sunday and working late all week, it got to Friday and I was still working at nine o'clock at night and thought, don't want to be an accountant anymore. Don't want to be doing this. This is not worth it at all. And I started counseling courses and decided counseling wasn't for me. And an advert, it's like Facebook listens, an advert popped up for a life coaching qualification. Looked into it, did the two, there was a two day course, decided that was right. And another big moment for me was, so I moved, I switched jobs and I realized there'd been such a shift in my mindset because in my new job, I'd only been there a couple of months and I got pulled into one of the offices by one of the managers to tell me off, but it was belittling and it made me feel like this small. Mm. I handed in my notice the next day because I knew I didn't want to be treated like that. Mm. You know, and those are some of the, those are the three key areas that, <laughs> that solidify my decision to do this. By the end of 20, my goal is by the end of 2020, I won't be working full time anymore mm. in, a, in a nine to five. So watch this space. <laughs> right. And that was it. When you said enough is enough. And you know what, Hannah? I went through this exact sim similar situation. Uh, this was back in, 2017 I was removed from a company for whatever reason and it's interesting because I still remember that specific day and going to the printer and the head teacher at that time from England but he's not really he's not the real British he's not the real English folks you know what I mean he's someone who's been living here for too long and he's developed the mindset of these same people which is very narrow-minded him being, being 70 years old there's a lot of things that's going on in this but and of course he came here because he's, he went through a divorce back home. So I went to the front after being removed from this company for no explanation. And I was like, uh, I don't want to talk about it. And he's like, oh, if you want to continue working here, we do have to talk about it. When he threatened me with that, me knowing that I was the best teacher there, I felt the shiver go right down my spine. And I said, I quit. In my mind. So he sat there and he's like, oh, I don't think you're as good as you say you are. I don't think this I don't think that he was saying all these, this bullshit that did not relate to me. I didn't take it personal. I could have blown up on him. But by that time I went home, I applied for jobs. I left my, my, uh, where I was work uh, living for like the last almost two years. I left 
to the other side of town. And they were like, why'd you move there? I was like, why do you think? In two months, I was already out the door. I was finished. And did I send him a message saying, oh, yeah, I think you're this and this and that? No, he's already buried himself. He's already finished. It doesn't matter how much money you are. Guess what? Empathy always wins in the end. I have empathy mm-hmm. for him because he's come here because he's escaping a very dark past. His sister had just died of cancer. He wasn't there for her. I feel bad for him. I have that empathy. Now, again, my situation, his situation, completely different. But do you understand what I'm saying? So when I left and I took that jump, I was scared as hell. So feel, feel the fear, Les Brown says, and do it anyways. Mm-hmm. So when you gave your notice and when I quit and I came here, I was scared. I was real scared. I didn't know I was going to get another job. I was like, oh, man. And I still had that limited belief. Oh, Thai people will never hire a black man. But then I started getting part-time jobs. And then I found this job I'm working at right now. And he offered me the visa and everything a year ago. I just didn't want to pay the fees. So I've had this job for a long time until I finally got all the paperwork done. I got everything and now everything's okay. But when I took that leap, obviously it was the greatest leap I've ever taken in my life because I said, I know what my self-worth is. I know what my Mm. capabilities are. I know what my intent is, my integrity, and I produce results. This man is literally sitting right in front of me and he's saying, I'm not producing. I said, this is very odd. You're taking me for granted goodbye. And when I Mm -hmm. left, he's over here. And I was, and remember, I got this job in 2014 where my state of mind was completely broken. So yes, I had to sit in a room with five other Thai women of ages 45 to 55 who have already completely said, oh, we don't like you because you're black, black, right? I had to do this three years ago. And so I'm like, Arsenio, maybe it's time you could finally just cut off all this garbage, like officially and get rid of everything. When I did, holy shit. Mm-hmm. 2018, uh, you know, I was building, but this year, oh my goodness. Presentations, seven different workshops, 10 different companies, Mandarin Oriental, you name it. And it's when I realized that I was better than my circumstances. And then that's when you made your decision, when you were being belittled. And guess what? That ended up being one of the the the, the life transforming mm. decisions that you've gone through, you know? I was just posting about that today, actually. You're always one decision away from a totally different life. Yeah. Just think about that. Like you can make a decision tomorrow to move towards your goals, ambitions, dreams. We can get, I can get on a plane tomorrow, mm. but probably shouldn't. I've got dogs and responsibilities, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's possible so when people say they don't have the time or the money or something else what is it that's really holding you back what do you need to let go of and yeah absolutely so what's again i hope people really understand that statement what's really holding you back what do you have to let go of Mm -hmm. let letting go of something that's no longer suitable for you Knowing that you are no longer living on a job or living in a relationship or living in whatever circumstance it is and you're dying. You know what I mean? Being honest, facing what isn't working. 
Those are the key things. And you know, some people are gonna wait till 2020, Hannah. They're gonna be like, oh, 2020 is gonna be my year. You know all those, Amer- a lot, of course, primarily America, they always talk about this too. Oh, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. It's gonna be a wonderful year. Bullshit, it's gonna be the same year because you're making the same choices expecting a different outcome. It mm-hmm. doesn't work like that. I need it's you It's the definition of madness. <laughs> That is absolutely right. You know, me, you know, to top this off, I'm grateful. I'm going to the Philippines for the first time in my life next month. I'm going to the motherland of South Africa, you know, and I'm going there in March. South Africa, do you understand from my family, they never left Las Vegas. Okay, my brother and my mother, they went to Chicago once or Ohio and other places in America, but I'm going to be the first one in my family to go to the motherland. And again, I'm not really connected to my family. I can't be Rescue 911. If they want to say, you know what, Arsenio, I see what you're doing. I got to figure this out. If they want to ask me a question, I'm all ears. It's been six years. But I cannot be, all I could do is be the change. I can't force anything down anyone's throat because they're not asking for that, you know? And so I'm just grateful that I've, t- I've gotten in the driver's seat. I'm in the driver's seat. Even with this job that I have right now, it's part-time, but, but I mean, it's full-time, but it's on a part-time basis. I'm still working, what, 10 to 20 hours a week. And so I'm living in this while I do all of this. And even when I go to this job, I still feel like I'm in harmony with everything. I love it. I get there, I do my podcast, I'm this, I'm that. I'm operating at such high energy that all that negative shit that's possibly around me, it's untouchable. I don't see it as I used to see probably two months ago. So I had my transformation 365 days ago, but the ultimate transformation of me having that awakening and forgiving myself for calling myself black happened two months ago and my life has been expedited ever since. So what are some practices right now not even a practice or something that people could do. It could be a, a mantra, something they could say out loud every morning, every evening, any time during the day that they could use to get out of that rut that they're in. So one of my mantras is for today only, do not anger, do not worry. Be humble in your work. Mm. And that's really interesting. My favorite line is for today yeah. only because it's the only day that matters. That's absolutely right. And people don't, they take that for granted. So, mm-hmm. I mean, how, how can people make their day matter? Is it by what their words say, their actions, everything in general, right? So one of my top tips is to do one thing every day that <clears throat> helps nurture your little seed of a goal. So you've got your little seed of your goal, you bury it. And the thing is, if anyone's done any gardening, you will know that seed won't blossom for weeks, maybe months. But every day, you still give it a little bit of water, give it a little bit of nourishment. And you're meant to talk to plants as well, but anyway. And it's doing, doing that little bit of watering every single day, because you don't create an oak tree overnight. You know, a lot of people give up on their dreams because they're too hard, or they don't see the point, or nothing's happened in the first few weeks, so I must be rubbish at it. No, carry on, carry on. Do that. Do your little watering of your goal every day, just one little thing, and then it'll help perpetuate and build. By the end of the year, that's 365 things you've done towards your goal. I'm so glad you said that. I'm going to make that into a snippet. I'm so glad you said that. And 
people have to understand to top it off. People have to understand that it's not instantaneous. You said it takes constant beating on your craft, whatever skill set, whatever it is that you're trying to get good at. I have plants on my balcony that I planted and they were just this big. It was a seed. Now I got a basil plant. I got a tomato plant and I have a kapow. Kapow is kind of like basil, sweet basil. And I have those out there. Did it happen overnight? Nope. I nurtured that just as I nurtured this. You know, mm -hmm. my skills, I was just a teacher six years ago. Now I'm a highly sought after trainer. Now people are talking about me all around Bangkok from the banking industries to different private companies to Japanese companies. I got a podcast, the ESL podcast that's about to surpass my personal development podcast and plays within probably the next couple of weeks. And people love what I deliver on there because I keep them on them toes and I keep that little mind. I keep like feeding them. I'm like, Ugh, throw a seat, throw a seat, throw a seat, throw a seat. And so that's what I'm unbelievably grateful. So people need to take your advice and little by little, you have to water whatever seed it is. Sometimes the seeds are bullshit. So you got to take those seeds out and say, man, what the heck? Man, get out of here. And it's no. Now, the thing is, don't take out your seed of passion. Take out the other seeds around that you don't want to water anymore. Those seeds could be friends that you consider friends, but they're just more toxic than anything. Put in some winner seeds and take out some loser seeds. Take Put out in the some, weeds. Take out the weeds. The weeds, man, they, it's, not, it's just a bunch of bullshit. Take out the weeds. You know what I mean? But, man, what is this? What are you? Take those little bugs. You're going to see those little bugs crawling on the plant. Get those goddamn bugs out. Some people say, oh, but they're good. No, they're going to keep eating the shit out of your plant until it just goes brown. That's the toxic that's in your life. Metaphorically speaking, they, they should understand how this works now. So, whoo, Hannah, thank you so much, Thank much, you. much, much for coming on. Man, it's been a pleasure. It's so good to actually see you on video. And it's so funny. It's three minutes from 6 a.m. I'm going to go into this gym just on top of the world. I'm going to be like, come on, let's get it. Let's get it. People are going to be like, what are you on? I'm on gratitude. I drink gratitude in the morning. And so that's what you got to do every day. So before you go to sleep, just drink that glass of gratitude. Just up. Uh, Oh man, that's, that's oh man. People gonna think you crazy as shit. Love talking to you. <laughs> you brighten my day. Oh my god, thank you. And I'm just so grateful for having that opportunity. So oh Hannah, have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope everything and all goes well. I'm probably gonna be doing the next big thing on motivational mentors probably within a couple of weeks. I hope if schedules line up and whatnot, but it should still be good. But nonetheless, thank you so much for coming on. And thank you. Oh, here is, here is a cheers of gratitude. Here's a toast to your 306, 370 days of being in your passion, of being in what you love to do and what you wake up to every morning. And for everyone out there, I'm encouraging you guys to chase it. So with that being said, Hannah, thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, for everyone else out there, thanks for tuning in to the RZO Buck Show podcast. Stay tuned for more. I'm your host, as always, over and out.